Hey guys, so welcome back. Today I have um, a headset on for recording, but the air conditioning's on because it's like extremely humid and actually raining pretty aggressively where I am. So if there's background noise interruption of that variety, I apologize. But as insurance companies will tell you, that kind of act of God stuff is sort of unavoidable. Uh, anyway, today's episode, as the title is probably going to suggest in a sort of clickbaity, delicious way, is that I think there is a movie that is the closest film approximate to Fortnite that you could ever get that exists. Now, this is, I'm going to jump right into it because this is a movie that I love, that I went out of my way and uh, my wife and I hunted down for a long time because it's popular enough to exist as a Blu-ray, but niche enough to be extremely hard to find. And that movie is Predators. So Predators is the sort of black sheep of the Predators slash alien expanded universe situation, wherein uh, Adrian Brody leads a team of uniquely skilled military and paramilitary individuals um, on a planet that they all wake up to find themselves on. Now, that doesn't outright sound like Fortnite, I got you, but... Here's how it starts. They wake up in mid-freefall, um, so they just open their eyes and they're, they're free-falling, and they have parachutes on their back, and they can either figure out how to activate the parachute or they splat on the ground, and there's no you know emergency deployment like in Fortnite. But they're coming out in parachutes to this massive area. Some of them spawn with weapons. <laughs> some of them land with weapons. Some of them don't land with weapons. But there's definitely uh, equipment that's been sent down in cages, it gets a little bit um, sort of derailed when it's the idea that you're being hunted by a, the, the predators, a small group, um, and obviously for scale reasons. But it begs the question that it would be an extremely fun game mode for Fortnite. You would have uh, maybe one extremely powerful person, like a, someone who could go invisible or who could see, now that thermal is a factor. Um, I got the new thermal uh, gold AR scoped AR today and it's it's brutal um, there was like a standoff uh, against a bunch of people that were on the mansion in Loot Lake in the middle and it's just the thing is piercing like you can see people from an extremely long distance you can really like laser pinpoint them and it doesn't deviate too much so if you just aim well it's extremely precise so that thermal vision that they have is something that that player could have for maybe all their weapons or they could be one hit uh, KO for, you know, to simulate the Predator Claws, or, I don't know, it's a lot of fun that you could have with it. So, it's a little bit different in that it's not, like, a free-for-all shoot em up with humans, but it is still a, a team-based firefight in a large, open, battleground experience, where specifically people are parachuted onto the ground, and ammo is finite, they do encounter primitive structures. It's, a uh, I think you could make the argument that the Hunger Games obviously is a stronger comparison, but I really feel like being paradropped in is a, a uniquely Fortnite flavor, because at the very least, the only thing that people seem to know is this reoccurring Fortnite meme is where we drop in, or like, where we drop in today, boys. Like, that battle bus communal ejection from that transport at the beginning is kind of iconic, so I feel that that's the one that you would equate it to. And Hunger Games... Obviously, guns are not <laughs> a part of that. I, uh, you know, I can't really see, aside from the fact that it's predominantly children as well, it's not even remotely the same thing. But 
Um, yeah, that's just my thoughts on that. I thought it was kind of funny. Um, I've been playing a lot of board games. I had a cool friend over on the weekend who brought a puppy, which was amazing. It was like a Doberman puppy, so it was massive in its legs, but it hasn't like grown into them yet, so it walks around like a baby deer, and it's so adorable. It's got that like puppy face, but... Um, we played Tokaido, which is a board game, and I'm a huge board game guy. We have a budding collection that we always like to add to, but Tokaido is funny because we've had it for like over a year, I think. We opened it once, um, the wife and I, and we tried to learn it, and then we did what I recommend most people should do with a board game, which is check out the YouTube tutorials that are out there. I mean, I know Will Wheaton does or used to do one, but I mean, find someone decent and half good to watch and just watch them play it because honestly for most games whether or not that's your natural uh, preferred learning style with most games once you watch it played you you retain it and you just grasp it so much more quickly than if someone is to sit down and explain it or if you were to read the rules um in my city there's board game cafes which are amazing it's super fun um it's uh, essentially a cafe as it would suggest like coffee and snacks and some uh beer and wine if you want but also you can rent and borrow for the your duration of your stay uh, board games. And they have a huge collection of games that are sorted into different categories, things like um, for how many players, like obviously a two-player games are somewhat of a niche thing to find. Not all games accommodate that. But a difficulty level, like intensity that you want to commit to, like there's, I think, uh, they're going gonna to be embarrassed for not remembering specifically the color, but I think it's like the red sticker are the ones that are, like, intense, and you're, um, they have experts there, experts in quotation marks, they're really fun people, but they're the game gurus, so they're just people who are, like, familiar with the games, and so they, uh, they come around and help you, and they can sit down and play the game with you, and the red ones are so complicated, you're not even supposed to ask them, because it'll take them too much time, but anyway, uh, board games are great, uh, definitely, Snakes and Lattes is that place, if you're a Toronto person, you happen to be listening, and you don't know about Snakes and Lattes, I don't know what you're doing, but you should check it out, it's fun for just a random hangout, friends, a date, anything, it's for kids too, actually, I think, uh, Especially during the day, I think, like, they make sure it's not so rowdy and stuff, which is nice. It's a clean place, too. They bought the, and knocked down the communal wall with the store next to them, so they grew hugely, which is pretty baller. Um, yeah, so board games. Takedo is great. It's like a Japanese, feudal Japanese-era game where you, or, sorry, the location and the, thematically, it's a feudal Japanese-era game. It's not from then. Uh, you sort of travel along this road, this um, road that stretches across uh, ancient Japan, or the Japan of sort of the 1400s to the 1600s, and along it you stop at four or five different varieties of tiles, which are either, you know, you stop at a shop where you can buy items with the currency, you stop at a, an onsen, which is like a Japanese hot spring or an inn type thing, and you can uh, accumulate some kind of wealth there. And you also have a short deck of um, like cards that are paintings. So if you were to lay them all face down the same way and touching each other, like three by three and four by four, they form one large painting. And you have three sets. Uh, one is three, one is four, one is five. So completion of them each gives you points. It's just an extremely beautiful game. Aesthetically, it's extremely fun. And what was hilarious was contrary to when we originally tried to sit down and learn it, 
it was actually so simple once you picked it up. So would highly recommend it. I actually went to school for Japanese history, so I enjoyed that aspect of it a lot. But if that's just something that you don't give a shit about, then, you know, there's probably other games for you. If you, you got to kind of like that Japanese flavor that comes with the game. That's a huge selling point for it. But that being said, I think most people do, and especially nowadays. So it's definitely worth uh, a check out. It kind of, it's, there are reminiscent um, experiences you'll get to playing it as you would with Settlers of Catan. You'll be like, oh, this is kind of, because there are rewards given at the end for things like Longest Road, and not specifically, but it plays out very similarly to that. So you have to sort of think on your feet and in the long term. But it's a really great one. We actually, um, we were at a toy, uh, Toys R Us, like a toy store, um, couple, I don't know, like two years ago when we bought, because it was on clearance, like this uh, deck building battle game, because like playing old hilarious games that are terrible is super fun, especially when like someone clearly went to the effort to make this not like intend to be terrible, and then it's even more hilarious that it's bad, but it was this, uh, it's called like Elseworld, um, after, Afterworld, cool, all right, I can kind of see it from where I'm sitting. Afterworld. So it's terrible, uh, very boring, uh, very complicated. I mean, I, extremely complicated. It comes with like two instruction pamphlets and deck mats and four different decks. And But on top of all that, which is not necessarily bad, I mean, Lords of Waterdeep is a great game that's extremely complicated, but this game is just, the art is terrible. It looks like the covers of all those uh, how to draw manga and how to draw manga books that you would see in like chapters or Coles or Indigo's or local haunted spooky bookstore, wherever you go to get your literature, when you go there and you see those, like, you know, the Weeaboo art survival guides where they teach you how to, like, draw, you know, fan fiction-level anime characters, that's exactly what this looks like throughout. And it's a card game, so all the card art is like that, too. So that definitely is kind of a strike against it, but also the amount of how complicated it was was just unreal so we sort of packed it out we're going to hit that one again but just the idea was hilarious also as a selling point I mentioned the Japanese thing um, we wanted to get it because uh, my wife's really interested well we both are in, in uh, ancient Egypt ancient Egyptian history sorry but she's a super fan she's got a wicked tattoo of that but um, the two factions in the card game are the Egyptians versus the Japanese so we thought that was fortuitous and kind of hilarious for us to get um when i do play it i will let you know that's my that's Daenerys yelling at me get out of here get out of here don't pity her she has food she just wants more food because she's fat she's not really fat um board games have been great especially uh so easy to get now because i have like a ton of board games and we had uh, an election in where i live ontario um elected. I don't like getting too political, obviously, because that just, you know, the internet's kind of a vicious place to begin with. Politics kind of incites that more than anything else. But um, it's just kind of a shame that it, globally everybody remembers uh, Rob Ford or what a kind of piece of shit he was and how we were made a laughing stock. And for Toronto, it finally has kind of subsided and we've got other stuff that we're famous for. And people are wearing, like, Weed the North shirts now instead of, like, Ford Nation shirts. And whether ironic or unironic, there's less Ford memorabilia. But we had Rob Ford's brother, Doug Ford, run for the provincial election to be uh, Premier of Ontario. So we have three levels of government. We have like, municipal, provincial, and federal. So the local town, like the city of Toronto, is your municipal. Your 
Ontario provinces, provincial and federal is Canada. So like, it's like a state senator, state. Yeah, probably. I don't know, but you guys have a majestic but complicated government system in the states. But anyway, it was just a shame to see the the mass popular vote go to someone who in his own right is not very good. He's not awful, granted, but I mean, he's just, on top of being a politician, he's just not a particularly positive-sounding or seeming guy, and he doesn't inspire a lot of uh, belief that he's going to follow through with anything he promises. But that aside, you really don't feel like you wanted to give these people a second chance, and that's something that's kind of been embarrassing in, in Canada, because our Prime Minister, who all opinions or judgments aside, heavily is currently Prime Minister because of the fact that his father was an extremely popular and one of the, probably the most popular and loved of all time Prime Minister in Canada. And Prime Minister, again, is the head of the federal government. That's, the, that's like our president. So, uh, Pierre Elliott Trudeau was his name, and he was, uh, he incited, like, riots in a, in a positive way, like, like a celebrity when he would visit places. They called it Trudeau-mania. He was, uh, kind of a celebrity for Canadians. And obviously that's why his son, I mean, a lot of the clout, um, a lot of the, I don't know, the circumstance of his current administership, you have to contribute to that. I think he's, he's very worthwhile in some ways. He's got the on-paper education and experience that, that we would want out of a prime minister. I think without going into it too much, there's some questionable things and actions that are happening, but this is more about it's unquestionable that he was prime minister or at least it had a major contributing factor to his, his position that he had that name and for it to happen again with Ford is frustrating because at least Pierre Lee Trudeau is amazing and Trudeau is okay I mean it's not good or bad it's whatever but Rob Ford fucking sucked he was like I remember even having voted for him in the very first election because Originally, he was very competent and level-headed in his promising, in his direction, and I'd been sort of a, you know, I like to lean towards the left. I think, you know, kind of have that obligation to to a people, if you're the government, that you need to take care of them, but at the same time, I think obviously that should be controlled and limited. Obviously, uh, where I live, it's comes down to usually the conservatives or the liberals for an American comparison, like Republican and conservatives, I guess it would be. But we also have other parties and uh, people in the races, but they don't usually get a, a majority or a significant enough uh, seat or contribution, so they're usually not really a, a player on the field. But originally Ford had enticed with a lot of his realistic promises and everything, and he seemed like a fine enough guy. He's obviously a little, you know, kind of Chris Farley parallels what happened early, but you can't judge someone about that, especially if you, know, you have to give them a chance to judge them by the quality of their work. And then he just became a flaming dumpster fire of incompetence and drug scandals and drunken scandals and more public intoxication scandals. And, you know, it just didn't make us look good where for a while, like, we were so on the grow and everyone knew us from, like, TIFF and everything. So... I really enjoy Toronto. I've, I've taken a lot of Toronto history in school, and I like to look at it as not just someone who lives here, but I've grown up in, in contemporary Toronto for my entire life. Um, I've obviously traveled the world, but when you, I've lived in uh, 
joke about it, but where I live now is, I think, the 17th or 18th place in Toronto that I've lived. So everywhere from the north, south, east, west, end, and side of Toronto. And so I, I think that, if anything, that just gives me a fairly unique perspective on what different quadrants of the city are like. And it's it was amazing to see the different areas and, and places in the province you live in vote for someone. But... It got more political than I wanted it to, so I apologize, guys. As you know, I don't really edit the part of the um, philosophy of what I'm doing, is I don't have to edit the audio. Not entirely just because I don't have audio editing software, which I don't. I downloaded video editing software, and you would assume that they come with it, but it doesn't. So, yeah, I don't edit it. I do one take. I think uh, it's supposed to be a genuine conversation I'm having with whoever it is that I'm having it with. lots of funny stuff you can do with that, and that's, you can go find that elsewhere, because when you're editing things and making it all heavily padded, then sort of that spontaneity, originality, and authenticity is just out the window, and this cat's just staring at me, and I'm giving her the snuggles, and I don't understand what cats want. I'm not giving you food. So, I hope everything is awesome with people wherever they are. Um, a lot of stuff going on with the, the, the G7, G8, you know, the summit. It's funny because uh, I was talking to my best friend about this recently, you really have a lot of news that you, you discover through meme, like, I don't know whether it's like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, 9gag, meme, whatever, like whatever websites, 4chan, however it is you find things, but the grapevine is, is so diverse that you're not getting it from like the New York Times or from BBC, you're getting it from like, yeah, I saw a meme about the Trump being photoshopped like a baby at the G7 summit, so, you know, that made me want to research that, <laughs> so, kind of funny, but, alright guys, rambled on for too long, um, take it easy, and I'll see you next time, not that I saw you this time, though, so, yeah.